The Nickelodeon Animation Podcast is brought to you by Cabbage Merchant Cabbage, the best cabbage in all the Earth Kingdom. If you're going to buy cabbage, why not purchase cabbage from the surprisingly knowledgeable merchant of cabbage, the Cabbage Merchant, and now totally free of cabbage slugs, only in the Earth Kingdom. Cabbage Merchant Cabbage. Oh, my cabbages! New location carts opening up in the Fire Nation this fall. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon! From Nickelodeon Studios in Burbank, California, this is the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast. Hi guys, welcome to the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast. I'm your host, Hector Navarro. I'm a huge fan of animation. I'm an enthusiast. I'm also a former Nick intern. That's who I am, but you're not here for that. You're here for some really, really cool creators and talent talking about the shows that they've been working on here at Nick. I don't think there's anything better than talking to creative people about their passion and about their work. So whether you're an animation industry professional or just a huge fan of animation, or hopefully both, I think there's going to be something for you. Joining me in the booth today are two guys who are responsible for creating a modern classic in the world of animation, Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra, both created by Brian Konitzko and Mike DiMartino. I am a huge, huge fan. I cannot wait to ask these guys a whole mess of questions. Let's just get right into it. I'm going to try not to geek out too much. Geek? Okay. I mean, that makes I'm it a more professional. <laughs> it makes it more interesting? Okay, great. I don't know. Like, if you're enthusiastic, <laughs> yeah. it seems more interesting. Here's where I want to start, because this is one of my favorite questions to ask to anybody that works in animation, is where did the love come from? Do you guys remember your first memory of animation? First memory well, of I th- animation? Well, supposedly, the f- I don't totally remember this, but I th- the first movie that I ever saw, my parents brought or maybe it was just my mom brought me to see Pinocchio yes. apparently when I was like four that's a or big, something. That is a big movie for a lot of people. That's yeah. a big first movie for a lot of animators. But I don't remember a lot about it other than the giant whale thing and the <laughs> the sea and everything. So maybe subconsciously that had some <laughs> influence on me. I'm, I'm not, sure it I'm did. not totally sure. I lived in a very and this wasn't like an intentional uh omission, but a very non Disney family. We just did not watch that stuff. So yeah. I, I saw Pinocchio years later and was like, "This the effects animation is insane." Yeah. You know, I mean, I had more of I had more, but more of like an animator's appreciation of totally. it than like a kid's wondrous magic or something. But I would say for me, Electric Company is probably <laughs> some of the first animation. I yeah, that's true. I remember like Sesame Street too had those Sesame like Street. cool like claymation little things and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was a, like animation was something I've always been interested in, but. Mm-hmm. Like, I grew up in Vermont, so there wasn't, like, an outlet for learning about it, really. Right. Like, I didn't know, I, you know, other than, like, Disney and whatever, yeah. like, yeah. I didn't know how you would be an animator. So I was more into, like, fine art stuff, painting, and mm. that stuff through high school and, and even my first year of college. So yeah. it wasn't until, like, college years where I realized, like, RISD, Rhode Island School of Design, where we both went, like, had an animation program. I was like, oh, I could learn... About animation there. That's cool. I'm going to transfer to this school. Brian, when did you make that decision of like, cool, 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 I'm going to do animation? I would say Looney Tunes was the big, you know, the big um, animation presence in my life and Tom and Jerry and stuff. So that's the stuff I, you know, that filled my childhood. And then I think the moment when uh, I saw Ren and Stimpy, (laughs) that was when I was old enough. I think I was around 12. Yeah. And I I think I was old enough to instead of just being a kid passively taking it in that I was I mean I'd always been drawing and and was always 
uh, encouraged by my family to be an artist like, yeah. professionally. Like they yeah. just assumed I'd be an artist, which is awesome. And I know I'm very lucky in that regard. So yeah, I think right around Ren and Stimpy, I was like, oh, this is something like people made. I could be one of those people. So mm-hmm. I was, it, it wasn't set in stone, but that was something I was definitely interested in. Yeah. And then uh, after that, it was Batman the Animated Series. And that's when I was in high school. So I was even older. Yeah. Um, and again, I was like, oh, this is cool. They're, they're actually taking this medium and doing something dramatic with it, even though it's supposedly for kids. And so yeah. I, really, I, I really dug it. What kind of influences were you guys bringing, animation or otherwise, like movie, music, whatever, to your guys' work? We both had this kind of awakening and turning point when we saw uh, Princess Mononoke. Yep. Um, I, I had been exposed to Miyazaki when I was at that animation class in Louisville. This, yeah. I think maybe it's hard for kids pre-social media like <laughs> age to understand. Like You just didn't know about stuff. Oh, you I, know? Re- it was, oh I remember. It was yeah. harder to know about stuff. Yeah. And you might see it, but you, you might be like, what was that? I have no idea what I just saw. And there was really no way to ever like track it down, mm-hmm. or it was hard, or you had to have someone who like had access to like some kind of like mm-hmm. college video shop, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, like or, or, I don't know, I just didn't know how to access that stuff. Yeah. So this kid showed me Akira. Yeah, that blew me away. He showed me some of it, and then he showed yeah. me some of uh, Nausicaa. But I had no idea what it was. It wasn't right. a name that. Yeah, stuck in my mind. You literally couldn't Google it. You were yeah, just like, just, "What was? Uh, what this? was that?" I yeah. was like, there was this melting robot monster <laughs> and this crazy explosion. And he, I remember he, he was like, "This is the greatest explosion ever animated." And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, wait, he's like checked, like yeah. not 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 that I thought like he had the official word, but I'm like, how many ex- animated <laughs> explosions has this guy watched? How do you and, know this has got to be in like the top? Five. Yeah, I just hadn't thought of like." of it that way so Dang. so it blew me away but i didn't really know what it was and, yeah and then what happened was the anime stuff i saw after that always left a bad taste in my mouth because mm. the stuff that was really popular when i was in high school was like incredibly misogynistic and i sure. and i i sure. hated it and and yeah. like i saw akira and i still love akira but it, it always leaves a bad taste in yeah. my mouth there's just he's like smacking his girlfriend it's around there's happy, always this like yeah. awful stuff it's you know it's it's an amazing film but it's it's morally pretty like Absolutely. weird yeah and I, I mean man i think he was just trying to paint a really bleak awful picture of humanity and i sure would guess he succeeded so <laughs> yeah but you know i'm not listing that among the ones i'm talking about i was my friends were into like fist of the north star or yeah. where it was just like yeah, he punches him in his head and his head explodes. And I was like, I don't care about that, you know? <laughs> or the stuff like, I saw Ninja Scroll. Sure. You know, and I'm just like, this is, just, I'm just not into this. Like, why yeah. do people think this is cool? Then Mike uh, Mike and I, we, we were, as he said, we were working together on Mission Hill and Dave Filoni was like, oh, you guys got to see Miyazaki. And that was yeah. when they were bringing, Mononoke had come out and then yep. they were bringing it over. And so we saw it at the end, apart from each other, but we both saw it like probably at the Lemley. And uh, Spirit yeah, of the I way. was just like, oh, yeah. yeah, this is what I want to do with my life. Like That's this, great. because it was at a point where I was lucky enough to get into the animation industry, but I was getting disillusioned with sitcom stuff. Sure, that just wasn't what I wanted to do. I want again, I wanted to do something cool like Batman, something dramatic. Yeah. So we both were like, oh. And then a couple years later, when they brought Spirited Away over, we got to see Miyazaki speak, which was great. Uh. 
So, Brian, you were working on Invader Zim yeah. here at Nickelodeon. Yeah, Mike and I worked together on yeah. a couple shows. At Film um, Roman, right. Yeah. Film Roman, and then um, Mike took some time off to do his own project, mm -hmm. and I ended up coming over here. Because, again, I was, I was feeling disillusioned, and I was like, I don't really want to work on this sitcom stuff anymore. Yeah. Um, and I could have stayed on King of the Hill for years. Sure. Like, <laughs> eight years or something. Theoretically, <laughs> I could have stayed on that long. But I took a two-month job here just to work on a show that was really inspiring. Yeah. Just because I was like, I as an artist, I have to follow, you know, that. That's great. And correct me if I'm wrong, the story is that you got picked to then pitch a show. Is that how it went? When yeah, you more or less. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. I was. I got to know Eric Coleman, who was the head of development at the time, and mm -hmm. he was sort of the. I think he was the executive in charge on Zim, and Zim was crazy. I mean, I, I learned a ton. It was yeah. when Mike and I worked on these sitcom shows. One thing that we we both didn't like was like the writers were on a, in a different part of town. Yeah, and there was no very little dialogue. I mean, since Mike was a director once a month or every two months he would like go take his show to screen with them and I yeah. got to go with him and see that side of like a little bit yeah but there was this huge divide yeah. and it's it really interesting it wasn't integrated and they I didn't think there was a lot of respect from those writers mm -hmm. towards the animation pre-production people similarly mm -hmm. I don't think there was a lot of respect amongst a lot of the animation pre-production people for the overseas animation people and yeah. so that was something working on Zim wow. I got to go over to Korea by myself for three weeks and, and to meet those crews and to help train them to draw the, the Zim style mm -hmm. and I already did have a lot of respect for them but I, I was just blown away I'm like these people are amazing I don't think they're being utilized to their full potential because of the system that's set up and yeah. Mike and I discussed this a lot so Honestly, creatively, we wanted to do Avatar, but we also had all these like animation production ideas that we yeah. wanted to try out. And that, that was a big motivator, too. It was yeah. like, okay, we've worked on other people's shows and, um, you know, good and bad situations in terms of production. And sure. we want to try out our own ideas. Okay, Gurr, our mission begins now. Let us rain some doom down upon the filthy heads of our doomed enemies. I'm going to sing the doom song now. Doom, 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 Please, please, please tell me about the pitch for Avatar The Last Airbender because I know it was unconventional and it's a great story. So, Well, much like me and the podcast, I talk a lot. And that's how the pitch went. So, Well, so I think the main thing is if the story is good, if the characters are good, if the ideas are good, if you are genuinely passionate about yeah. it, I think uh, it can be unconventional. And, yeah. and it's not that we set out to have an unconventional pitch. We just did we it just the way that felt we, natural. We didn't know what we were doing either. <laughs> like we just kind of, in a, I mean, we had things planned, obviously, mm -hmm. but in a in a way, we, like. So you guys went in a little bit unrehearsed, like you sort totally. of okay. totally unrehearsed. I, I mean, I and the, the advice: do it like the pitch you would give to your friend the night before the That's, meeting. Amazing. That's a really good piece of advice. That's and great. You're still trying to explain it to them. Yeah. But it's not the bitch, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's yeah. not this like razzle dazzle thing. Like, do it like you would say to your friend, on your roommate at, on the couch mm -hmm. the, the night before you're going to go in. And, and um, so basically, we, okay, I had a meeting with Eric mm -hmm. and it was not a pitch meeting. It was just like, hey, I heard you're interested mm -hmm. in me pitching. I have a, a, a creative partner. His name's Mike. It was one of the most important meetings I ever had, and we didn't talk about 
any specific show ideas. Ooh, it was interesting. Two over two hours long, but we just talked about how we were both excited about doing a show with integrity, yeah, sincerity, just yeah. A, an earnest, honest show. Eric was awesome. He's like, look, I look for people, not ideas. The ideas will follow. I want to work with you. So if you pitch something, if you guys come in and, and pitch, and I say no, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Come back, pitch something else. Come back, pitch something else. He's literally, he said, the door's open until we get something in production. It was amazing. You don't wow. hear that a lot. So I just set up a meeting. I was like, we'll come back and pitch in a month, even though I had no idea what we were going to pitch. <laughs> yeah. Two weeks, Mike and I scratched our heads, pulled together all the sketches, ideas we had. And then we had the idea for Avatar, developed it for two weeks. I drew like a madman in those two weeks. Mike was working full time. I was working on this full time. And then we went in and we just, Mike's like, all right, you never shut up. So why don't you talk? (laughs) Why don't you do the talking? So I did. One of the things they were looking for was action, (laughs) adventure, legends and lore. And he's like, I want action. Mm -hmm. I want adventure. I want magic. So I had an illustration for each of those (laughs) words in color. Just on, not like on a fancy board. I just put them on the table. And then I had a bunch of loose leaf, I think original drawings. I just brought like 45 drawings that I had done, just black and white. And just laid them out on the table. That's another thing I recommend to people because while you're blabbing on, they can play with stuff, move stuff, and something you're saying (laughs) can inspire them to look at something but if you have this yeah. whole powerpoint you're like limiting what they can yeah imagine you know people so, like to use their hands yeah so i yeah. think the less formal the better two and a half hours long yeah <laughs> i just went on and on and i'm not kidding i was on the sentence and then they invade the fire nation yeah. <laughs> or, or they secretly you know infiltrate the fire yeah. nation and eric just goes stop this is awesome but i've reached total brain saturation <laughs> and um this is my priority project your destiny. This is incredible. You will be involved in a great battle. An awesome conflict between the forces of good and evil. A battle whose outcome will determine the fate of the whole world. Yeah, yeah, I knew that already. But did it say anything about a girl? So you guys had like the three seasons for Avatar planned right from the get-go. In two weeks, In yeah. two weeks, and you had this sort of finite ending. Yeah. Uh, uh, talk about that a little bit. I mean, it, th- that's not a common thing to sort of have an ending for a cartoon show, especially. Um, yeah, I mean, going in, we had already always thought of it as three seasons. Originally, it was like fewer 12 episode 12 seasons each, or yeah. something. But, yeah. you know, obviously, they wanted more per season. Um <laughs> which was fine. It worked out, but we still always had that like three season arc thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, we were thinking of it more as this, this continuous story, which was also totally different for Nickelodeon at the time. Yeah. And I don't know, it was just the type of our natural inclination to tell the story that way. Great. Um, yeah. And there was no reason they should have <laughs> agreed to do that, but well, one, uh, one thing that Eric thought—I mean, Eric yeah. thought it was awesome. No, yeah. it's great. Like ever since the beginning, like we we were given the kind of creative freedom to like try out all these yeah. new mm-hmm. things that weren't necessarily typical Nickelodeon totally. type show. Totally, well, they were cautious then, about it, but, sure, yeah. but they let us do it. Well, you mentioned earlier, Brian, you mentioned uh, Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. Which is a pinnacle of action stuff, you know, but it's from the perspective of an adult. Yeah. And I think that the thing that makes Avatar so Nickelodeon is that it's kid POV, right. kid POV. That's well, something that, that is, you guys... that is what, yeah. in that really important lunch meeting I have with Eric, yeah. 
the number one thing he said was kid POV. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I like didn't know that, but he just put such a spotlight on it. Sure. That I so much so that I went home, took a drawing I had done late at night on Zim and looked at this 40-some-year-old main character and just shrunk him down and made Aang, and he yeah. stayed bald. <laughs> yeah. That was how Aang was born. So, I mean, Aang was, was born right after that meeting. Yeah. And so that, that was really important. But Eric drilled that home. He said, I can't tell you how many pitches I take as the head of development at Nickelodeon that are about, like, tax attorneys or <laughs> yeah. about a brothel. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's like, look, this might be a great show on HBO. Sure. <laughs> what does it have to do with Nickelodeon? Okay, so you had the story planned out. Question, Mike, question, were there any major story changes that happened as you guys were producing the show? Or did everything sort of stay true to what you guys had envisioned? I mean, I would say at the core, it was pretty, not everything was like Worked figured out. out at that pitch. Sure, like sure, we sure, had sure. A, a several month like development process before <laughs> we even got to like the pilot. Great. Um, where we did a more fleshed out, like synopsis of the seasons and stuff. Cool. And, and then obviously then when like, the writers came. Yeah, on. like once yeah. we got to the actual production and writing of the yeah, show, yeah, yeah. like then it's like, okay, how do we make this kind of idea of these three seasons into individual episodes? Because so it's sort while, of broad like, arcs. Yeah. So yeah. while mm-hmm. like the, the the overall big picture stuff mm-hmm. stayed more or less the same. Like there are so many new developments along yeah. the way and character yeah. characters that our writers and, either created or yeah. completely fleshed out Very or, cool. or took in a different direction. Very or cool. even the actors took the characters yeah. in a different direction. That's what I'm really curious about. Any specific instances where like an actor did something where you were like, ooh, ooh, that's I, cool. I always point to Jack DeSena and yeah. I think he took Sokka in a totally different direction. Sokka was always going to be, he was just going to be more like wry and like dry, yeah. sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it ended up being, he just ended up being goofier, which was fine. <laughs> it was fun. very thirst quenching though. Drink cactus juice. It'll quench you. Nothing's quenchier. It's the quenchiest. Okay, I think you've had enough. Yeah, I think too with with Uncle Iroh, Mako, who yeah. played him. Like we knew we knew the actor, and we we'd seen him in a couple films, and like I forget how uh, maybe you were like, oh, he would be a good actor. Yeah. I, I forget how the name came up, but we're like, yeah, that's a cool idea. But he was an offer only situation, like he yeah. wouldn't audition. And we're like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. bring him in. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and Harry, like you know, it could have gone a million different sure. ways. Sometimes you bring in actors, wow. and they're just not right for the part. But you know, I didn't really know what to expect. But he yeah. brought like such a great like humor and like emotional side to him. And he was just <sighs> yeah. like, and I think great. Aaron Eha's like our original yeah. idea for Iroh was mm-hmm. much more severe, mm-hmm. um, a bit more tough love, and Aaron just like humanized him and and it was cool Mm -hmm. because we were able to give him these you know like multifaceted he could be a total warrior kind of absolutely you're looking at the rare white dragon bush its leaves make a tea so delicious it's heartbreaking that oh it's the white jade bush which is poisonous we need food not tea i'm going fishing hmm delectable tea or deadly poison you guys have been talking about it. You assembled an incredible team of talent to develop Avatar, and then the same for Korra. But I really want to highlight uh, Sifu Kisu, 
his contribution, I felt like the detail in the martial arts added an incredible level of realism. It grounded so much of the sort of fantasy world. So <laughs> I was, I mean, once you know, once we pitched it, we just knew right away. I was like, like having worked on Zim, which was mm-hmm. comedy action, but you know, it was mm-hmm. an action show. And not and nothing against Zim. They were not anatomical. You know, right. they were like skinny yeah. little characters and. We weren't doing, like, a martial arts show. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But anyways, just having worked on that, I knew, like, the scope of the action we were going to be doing and the fact that Mike and I were solidifying this idea, it's going to be martial arts. It's going to be traditional Chinese martial arts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most people don't know a lot about that. And I had studied stuff as a kid, but, like, and watched movies, but it doesn't make you an expert. And it doesn't, you know, when you storyboard something, you have to sort of like, it's like a visual language. And um, so anyways, it was just like, we're going to need a consultant. And and um, I wanted to learn it so that yeah. I could explain it and, and think with it and use it creatively. And, and yeah. um, that was the thing. So, yeah, I, I went to different Kung Fu classes around town. And, and um, yeah, there's a lot of, there are a lot of good martial artists in any city, but I needed to find someone who could be creative with it. Yeah. It wasn't just like, these are the moves, this is the way we do it. Um, and so I didn't end up in one of the strip mall kung fu places. I ended up in this guy's backyard. Like, yeah. Really far from my house. I was like <laughs> commuting over, you know, I was just developing Avatar. And then in the early evening, like driving all the way over to the other side of LA to this guy's backyard with a small group of dedicated students and cool. And yeah, and and I took the class for a little while just to get a feel for it and to get a feel for Kisu and see if, you know, it seemed like it was going to work out and then but we finally sat down. He knew yeah. he knew why I was there and we finally sat down. I told him the basic premise and immediately he started having all these creative ideas. Like I remember one of the first things he said, he's like, "Oh, you could have like a tornado, you know." And I was like, yeah. I, "I honestly hadn't thought of that." You yeah. know, and, <laughs> and um it was cool and then he started talking about how different styles could be applied to the different elements and mm-hmm. and I was just figuring it was all kind of one not not that I knew that there were different styles. Right. Um but I specifically picked Northern Shaolin because I needed a style of animation that would translate, yeah. like uh, that would be very balletic and, and dynamic. And some are more subtle and compact. And yeah. Mike and I just knew from animation, like on TV animation, subtle and yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't come across. So I needed like really big yeah. changes of poses and stuff. So yeah, I uh, I thought, oh, well, I'll pick Northern Shaolin specifically because it will translate well. Mm-hmm. And then Kisa was the one who was like, you know what, I think we we could use that for this, but what about Tai Chi for this and that? And so, you know, he he was the one who, who brought those specific characteristics. And then yeah. it was cool because that ended up matching the personalities of the writing mm-hmm. we were doing, f- like for those nations and yeah. cultures and stuff. So. That's awesome. More ferocious. Imagine striking through your opponent's heart. Ugh, I'm trying. Now let me hear you roar like a tiger dillo. That sounded pathetic. I said roar. So guys, you're finishing, you're wrapping up Avatar. Uh, what was the idea, the inspiration for returning to the world and doing Legend of Korra? How did that come about? Well, economy it wasn't, crashed. <laughs> yeah, it was a mix of things. I mean, we had, toward the end of Avatar, we had this one Avatar-ish idea that never ended up going anywhere. But, mm-hmm. you know, we we had started thinking of other ideas, but sure. um, 
didn't really pan out. And then, mm-hmm. so we, we were off for like a year and a half or so, and we were writing other stuff like spec mm-hmm. feature scripts. Cause mm-hmm. we wrote a couple of those together and cool. And then through, you know, in the meantime, during that break, like Nickelodeon, you know, kept coming back a couple times. Like, would you guys want to do something else? We're like, well, how serious are you about, yeah. <laughs> about this something else thing? And they're like, hmm, we're not sure yet. <laughs> but then finally, yeah, they came. They uh, they came back and said, we want to do a mini series, like twelve episode thing. Great. Are you guys? You can do whatever you want as long as it's you know, there's bending Avatar yeah. world. <laughs> as long as there's bending. Yeah. They, I, well, they said it, we greenlit a mini series, mm-hmm. but it. It could be a couple miniseries. Sure. Like, like there are these, these cycles of 12. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but at the had... time, they were like, we'll definitely do this. Yeah. Yeah. These. So it was a, it was a much more f- firm commitment. You know, it was totally. Like, really firm. Like, yeah. They're like, we've greenlit it. Like, yeah. It's already <laughs> happening. Just please do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah honestly, that so, yeah, it was hard. <laughs> That's great. Hard to uh, turn that one down. So, yeah, we, we knew we didn't want to do... Just go back to Aang and sure. that story and sure. do something new. So and then jumped it, ahead to to the next Avatar. After, that's after that's Aang. awesome. That's I think that's a fantastic decision. It was obviously it was great. The While we that, were doing it though, yeah. <laughs> before Korra came out, because um, you know it takes forever, and we were I don't know a year, year and a half before any trailer or anything came out. I yeah, mean, we used to get one to five letters a week telling us to stop. <laughs> from fans yeah. they were like we do not want this uh, uh, the new project right. the new project wow. we do not want this that's I just amazing want Aang. we uh, we have a Russian federation <gasps> of fans who have signed this petition to get you to stop because we they wanted they to wanted see it continue Aang. they yeah. wanted Aang and we wow. always thought the network would want that too and they yeah. surprised us they said nah whatever as long as it has bending it's in the Avatar world like Mike said I think it's great I think that I think that you guys told your story with Aang you told the story yeah that and was I think point that, that, that was, was the point, point. <laughs> and then stuff that was lingering or stuff that you could revisit you guys did it in the comic books yeah. like you know everybody wins and I love that the story of Korra jumped forward in time I think that's incredible world building it's fantastic and also just as a side note thank you guys for having a female lead and sure. I know that maybe that was a bit of a struggle, maybe not. But like, I, we, I appreciate and the fans appreciate you guys even kind of vouching for that, fighting for that. You know? It's yeah. It was I mean, amongst Mike and I, that wasn't a struggle. We sure. Like, <laughs> I was like, hey, what if it's a girl? Yep. Okay. <laughs> you know, cool. like that. That was, the, that was <laughs> as long as we talked about that yeah. between us. But then, um, uh, yeah, you know, just like anything, there was some pushback. But you know, now I hear there's a lot more of that stuff happening. Totally. And if, if we had anything. To do with that. I mean, there's also, I think, a zeitgeist. You know, there's a lot of huge movies yes. and book franchises that are, are have female leads, and it's about damn times. What makes you so sure your daughter is the one? Cora, please come in here. I'm the Avatar. You gotta deal with it. What kind of lessons did you guys learn on Avatar that you're like, cool, nope, not doing that? As you went into Korra, we, we learned no lessons apparently. None. <laughs> well, because the 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 thing. Well, the one thing we thought we learned, I don't know if we really did, was like we're like, okay, it's this miniseries. It's only twelve episodes, but we won't do a traveling show. Like we want to, sure, because that was part of one of the reasons Avatar was so hard. Is yeah. every week, every couple episodes, you're in a new place, yeah, new all designs, new designs, yeah. new characters, everything. So we're like, well, at least this way. I mean, even though it's a, a big city, it's like it's like 
one location, yeah. one main location. Yeah. But <laughs> Brian's shaking his head. But no. it's a giant <laughs> metropolitan city, which yeah. every episode was a new part of the city. Yeah. And every city shot is like tons of buildings Ugh. and oh crazy suspension bridge. Hey, it looked and, beautiful. Looked great. Well, but it nearly <laughs> killed us. Yeah, and then the other pro- the other problem was like we're like well it's only 12 so we'll just we're going all out let's just <laughs> yeah, yeah do yeah. this one thing but then it was 12 and then, and we're, then, it and then was, it's yeah. like oh well we could do more i guess <laughs> and each season got a little more crazy and ambitious of course and, and then third season we're like hey let's do a traveling <laughs> <laughs> You guys talk a little bit about going into the finale for Korra, what you guys were feeling like. Again, another sort of wrapping up. Pain. Pain. Okay, great. (laughs) It was tough because a lot of it was just we set a very high bar for ourselves. And I think that Avatar was hard, but then we came back and we're like, but we could do all this better. You know, there were all these art direction goals I had from the uh, making the art book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Beautiful books. Which was a nice sort of like I had... We had had enough time away from Avatar, and then when we came yeah. back to do the art book, I was I was very proud of the work everyone had done and, and, yeah. and that we had done. But we all, we always were modifying our process as yeah. we were going, and yeah. and uh, we got this amazing uh, Matt Gabois, this amazing After Effects artist in house, mm-hmm. which was a huge huge boon to Cora that mm-hmm. we didn't have on Avatar. Um, we added all this this whole like lighting step to try to get more cinematic lighting and yeah we just did a lot of stuff like that but going into the finale so there were just these like challenges that we had set for ourselves and there were also just these huge production just snags we had run into yeah um the thing is there's so much overlap i mean at one point we were working on 30 episodes at one time and uh on cora and so when something gets delayed, mm-hmm. it snowballs. And mm-hmm. um, so there were things as the art director while we were doing the end of book four yeah. that I, w- I was like still paying for like crimes <laughs> from like season one. Sure. <laughs> it was, and, and that stuff, like we were still behind. Mm-hmm. I basically just lived behind mm-hmm. for years, for, for four out of the five years or something. And so, well, yeah, I think too, the, re- the reason why it's hard to describe like the finale thing it's stretched out over such a long period of time like Mm -hmm. there's the writing of the finale right which is a a moment yes but then like after that since it was the end like the writers leave and then yeah and then then, yeah and then like one by one like there's these like milestones along the way but it's it's spread out over the course of you know eight months or ten months or whatever longer year and a half yeah um so you have like all these, uh, so many goodbyes, yeah. like during the thing, and then by the end, it's just me and Brian over in <laughs> Korea, you know, like doing retakes on the final, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, episodes with the crew over there. So, yeah. and we had a finale party over there. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> cool. It's a very long, drawn out <laughs> process. It's not just like a one and done. Sure, sure. No. sure. Raymond Chandler, yeah. the long goodbye. Yeah, it's kind of a long. goodbye. This must be really, really difficult because you guys have such great fan interactions, but do you have a, a, a specific one that stands out? Something that you're like, that was a great fan moment. Or maybe something early on where you realize, oh, this is going to be massive with people and they're really connecting with it. Yeah. Every outing we do, there's yeah. some really amazing, intense mm-hmm. personal Yeah, and I'm, I'm always like, ama- A, I'm amazed that people feel okay with sh- like just talking about that with I know. me and Brian yeah. <laughs> and, and like sharing that. I mean, some people even share it, you know, in a and a with a bunch of people listening yeah. and like, so the fact that people that, that it's had that kind of 
effect on people like yeah. is is definitely beyond anything i would have imagined yeah. it having and then that people are able to share that with us mm-hmm. and let us know like is is very it's beautiful very touching it's so intense cool. and you know the ending of cora um yeah really brought out a lot of that yeah. and and seems to still have you know just like the one year anniversary of the finale was not yep. too long ago and yep. um I read a lot of amazing stuff. Um, it's still, it's amazing how art can have that powerful of a place in people's lives. Yes. You know, and, yeah. and um, Mike and I don't sit down like, how can we change the world? We, <laughs> you, know, you, you just have to start with your own yeah. heart and like what inspires you and what, yeah. Yeah. and respecting the characters that you've all created together, like treating them with respect and, and like writing and drawing things that you think that character would actually do and yeah. like who she or he, you know, who they are. Um, then I think if you're lucky and if, you, if everybody did a good job and all the stars aligned, then like you might reach yeah. people. Can you tell us a little bit about your upcoming projects? Brian, can you tell us about Thread Worlds? It is sort of a fantasy science fiction thing, but it's it's an attempt to do hard science fiction. It's it's uh, there's no magic. Okay. It's, it's all. In fact, it's very much about science, and cool. it sort of uh, reflects and parallels the history of scientific discovery, philosophical enlightenment, and development of civilizations on Earth, told through fictional worlds. So, so some light reading, it sounds like. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to bring. Uh, I'd say the first book is kind of middle grade, you know, like like Avatar was, mm-hmm. sort of aimed at that, but again, hoping it has a, a broader yeah. appeal. So yeah, it's it's been fun. It's been a, it's like research I'm interested in. It's yeah. subjects I'm very passionate about. Yeah. So I'm motivated to like to to do the research and, and. When can people expect to look at it and read it? <laughs> well, I'm supposed to finish this first volume like early next year, late, okay, late cool. this year, early next year, and then it takes them. 10 to 12 months sure. to get the book out. So I would say late 2017, early awesome. 2018. I don't know if my, my cool. publisher probably doesn't want me to say <laughs> that, but yeah, uh, one of those. That's awesome. Uh, Mike, can you tell us about your writing project, uh, Rebel Genius? Yeah, I'm writing a three-book series. Cool. Also middle-grade-aged, but nice. much like Avatar, we'll hopefully expand beyond that. Uh, it's a fantasy set in a, like a Renaissance-inspired world. Cool. Uh, where kids have, or and artists have, these things called geniuses, which are like a physical manifestation of creativity. Oh, cool! In the in the uh, form of a like different cool. types of bird creatures. Cool. And the magic in the world is based on sacred geometry. So like nice, like different shapes having different powers, um, and so the kids are able to actually through their genius manifest these this wow. light attacks and abilities and stuff <laughs> that's awesome um, but it is very has an action action adventure element cool. to it tons like a, a quest tons yeah. of so okay, there's art cool. there's action creativity right. spirituality so Brian it's good it's I good. read Brian, it Brian did read it it's he, amazing he said it's it was pretty awesome. okay Oh, it's more than pretty okay. It was amazing. Yeah, well, so Mike's book's actually done. Yeah, he has a yeah, physical so I just, copy. Yeah, yeah, we got the advanced copies. So October 4th is the yeah. publishing date. Um, the other thing we should mention, too, is I'm writing um, uh, graphic novels for Legend of Korra. Oh, also. so, so cool. like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. The, we have the Avatar graphic Correct, novels. Correct, yeah. Through Dark Horse. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, Very we're going to also start a, that series with uh, Korra. So. That's awesome. I, a lot um, of fans are really excited about yeah, that. Yeah, so those really will be excited. out for... 
another year. Yeah, wow. I think they got okay. a little delayed. So but, that's awesome. But uh, guys. those are in in the works as cool. well. Cool. What is your favorite thing about working with the other guy? in this room well i will say i miss working with mike <laughs> um and we didn't uh i mean i it's not that i was like oh i want it i want it done sure. right i got to do it alone it sure. was more like man i want to test my own metal i want to see yeah. if it, like what i can do by myself but one thing that was really hard was when i sat down to write everything <laughs> mike and i wrote was born from discussion yeah we would come in with a, maybe a scrap of an idea yeah. or sometimes no ideas and yeah. just discuss and having already been friends and then we worked together and then we were creators together as we just very lucky to have like mm-hmm. cultivated this like really nice i think it was nice working yeah. relationship <laughs> i would agree with and um <laughs> and then when i got to the you know mike read like my uh like kind of like fleshed out outline of my book and mm-hmm. um I was having a hard time with like some of the notes like man i don't know how to address this stuff and then we sat down and like just talked like over lunch and i was like Oh, this is like working with Mike again. This yeah. is great, you know. It just felt so nice, and and um, that's awesome. So just kicking around ideas with Mike is just was just yeah. awesome, and and I do, I always say this, and I mean it. Like I don't think there was an idea either of us had that didn't get better. Mike, what's your favorite thing yeah. about working with Brian? <laughs> Well, no, I, I had a very similar experience with my book and coming up with ideas. Where it's yeah. you do get used to this, you know, collaboration, and then it's then it's just you. So like, you know, <laughs> so you don't have like in times where, you know, you might not have an idea, like the other guy takes over for a little yeah, bit and, yeah. and might come up with something and that'll spark something else. But like when it's just you, you're just like, I've been thinking about the same thing for like forever. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. definitely. I, I would say like Brian's like the thoughtfulness and attention to detail of stuff that he goes into is is very influential. Just as far as like making sure it all makes sense, you know, yeah. like, like let's make sure like all our pieces are connected yeah and, um we used to call that making it bulletproof yeah like way back like before the avatar yeah. pitch we would always it was like sifting it back and forth until as we had Make fixed it, as many of the little we had patched up as many of the like holes sure. as we could bulletproof yeah. i love it guys i cannot thank you enough thank you uh this has been an, an absolute pleasure thank you so much michael DiMartino. thank you so much brian Kanitsko. thank you uh i'm gonna leave you with this i forgot to do this at the beginning of the thing <laughs> he's taking his clothes I'm off taking <laughs> my shirt off i'm actually taking my shirt off uh i completely tattoo. Forgot. full chest, chest tattoo. tattoo boom no i wore the, oh, I wore cool. the shirt I, I wore that. the shirt that's and awesome. i think you know what I'll, I'll keep my shirt on because i'm not gonna freak <laughs> these guys out with my fandom right away but good. um so much fun guys thanks awesome. so much thank for coming you. in thank you I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Mike and Brian as much as I did. I tried really, really hard not to geek out on them too much, but I'm a huge fan, so what can you do? You're not going to want to miss an episode of the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast, so please, please, please visit nickanimationpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts for more episodes and tons of bonus content, like photos from the podcast of Mike, Brian, and yours truly looking all geeked out in a very rad Avatar t-shirt, I might add, as well as original production art from Avatar and Korra from our very own Nick Archives. Thanks to the awesome crew who puts this podcast together. This podcast is produced by Jonathan Highlander, Dana Vasquez Eberhardt, Kelly Smith, Andrew Hubner. Original music by Useful Creatures. All of the incredible social media for our podcast is made by Narbe Manassians, Greg Nix. And thanks to the man who works at controls and makes me sound better than I have a right to, Manny Gralva. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast and keep watching cartoons. 